and welcome in. It's the John Cast Podcast with that abrupt intro ending. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. It's great to be back. And I'd like to thank my sponsors of today's show, including me and Julio in Fitchburg, just off Fish Hatchery Road. They've got game day football specials, whether it's the Badgers or the Packers, including $3 Coors Light Pints, $5 Classic Margaritas. Now, if you haven't had a margarita from me and Julio, you are totally missing out. Plus, they've got great food specials open seven days a week. And also on Mondays, enjoy $5 deals on Moscow Mules. Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's the margaritas. Wednesdays, it's the hard seltzers. And uh, on Sundays, craft pints for just $5. Me and Julio, check them out. Also brought to you by Ian's Pizza in Madison with three locations in town and three locations in Milwaukee. And they're hiring delivery drivers with a guaranteed rate of $20 per hour. That is phenomenal. So go check out Ian's Pizza at their website if you're interested in that. And go check out Ian's Pizza because they have fantastic slices of pizza on those three locations in Madison, also in Seattle and Denver, if you happen to be in those areas as well. Well, my guest today is a former Green Bay Packer. He spent 11 seasons in the National Football League and was named to the All-Pro team in 2005. You can hear his thoughts on the Packers on his podcast. It's called On My Block with co-hosts former running back Amon Green. I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Mike Wall. How's it going, Mike? Oh, hold on, Mike. I had to, there we go. How's it going? <laughs> it's going great, John. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for being on. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, I was talking to Amon and he told me a story about kind of how athletic uh, maybe you are or you were back in the day. So tell Definitely me if this were. story is correct. He told me a story that you guys were playing horse once and Amon pulled out a 360 degree dunk and he's thinking to himself, man, I, I have Mike. And then you, Mike, uh, with your size and your weight at the time, you did it. And he said, you did it better than he did it. How athletic were you back in the day? The one thing, so John, I was lucky. I was very lucky when I was like 235 pounds, I was, a, a average, you know, maybe above average, but not great speed, not great jumping ability, anything. But I was the exact same at 300 pounds as I was at 235. So I could jump as high. I could mm -hmm. run as fast. I was stronger, obviously, but like nothing changed for me. So I was very, very fortunate that all the dunks and all the things I could do, at least when I was younger, not now, but when I was at 235, I could do all the same stuff when I was 300 pounds. Wow, that's amazing because you grew up playing baseball and basketball before it got to football. So why why was there that change from those two sports? Because I don't think you started – you started football, I guess, a little later than most people did. Yeah, so where I grew up, it was like, you know, everyone's got soccer. So everybody played soccer. Basketball showed up in middle school. Like, we just didn't have a lot of options. Um, I swam, I think, when I was like from like five to nine. And then baseball was my kind of my first love. Uh it was right of – I grew up in this mountain town in Southern California. It was kind of right of passage. When you turned 14, you went into high school. Like you had to play football. It's like you got to stop playing soccer. Everyone's got to play the grown-up sport now. You go play football. And our football team was terrible. We were Division 8 in, in California. Like Division One's good. We were Division 8. Like we were, we're pretty damn close to eight-man football. We never had a winning season when I was there. I, it's it, The whole thing's a miracle that anybody got out of there alive. But, um, yeah, I, I just got – it was one of those situations where – I didn't learn anything in high school. So like when I went to the end where I went to the Naval Academy, all the habits that come with like being a football player, as far as the weight room, exercise, like, you know, keeping a schedule, like little movement patterns and like attention to detail. Like I learned it for the first time when I was in college. So I didn't learn anything in high school. So I think it probably did me a, a service in some sense. 
Yeah, I think so too. So you probably learned it exactly like you you had no bad habits, I guess. Right. Well, so, well then, and then you, well, so we played the option offense at, okay. at Charlie Webby in the Naval Academy. So I was a lineman like in quotes, cause I was basically like a tight end as far as we didn't have alignment stance. We didn't pass block. So there was no transferable skill from there to the NFL. I was just good at the combine stuff. Mm -hmm. It's the 360 dunks. So, <laughs> so when I went to the NFL, I just remember the first day, like they lined up Gilbert, Santana, Reggie, everybody. I lost every single one-on-one -on -one. and it was like, I had, it was clear that I had no idea what I was doing. So, it was if you're like Tom Levat at the time, or you know Jeff Dalbach and Frank Warner's really helped me out. But if you're looking at me at the time, it's like, well, it's kind of unmolded clay. He has no idea what he's doing. We can, you know, we can try to do something here with this kid. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that happening. So, how much for those who don't know? And obviously, I don't know. I was never a professional athlete, so I'm one of those people. How much commitment does it take to become a pro athlete? Like. Because I feel some people love to sit on their couches on Sunday and complain. And they don't realize like just everything that goes into being a professional athlete. Yeah, I, I love those people. Um, <laughs> because those are all the people that you, you ended up beating out, you know, more often than not mm -hmm. to make the uh, squad. Listen, it's probably just the same as being really successful in any other competitive endeavor, right? It, it takes having the right mindset. Um, I call it technical mastery in, in, in sports, but in other you know, endeavors, it would be a really high functioning, uh, you know, technical ability and whether it's, you know, computer software design or, you know, what, whatever that architecture, whatever that thing is, but really just been, you know, super, super technical as far as your skill set. Uh, and then just probably the hardest part for everybody, especially really skilled people is, is ownership decisions. Mm. Um, those decisions you make kind of away from the field and away from the building, what you're going to eat, the hours you're going to keep, who you're going to spend your time with. Are you going to learn like other disciplines that are going to help you more? Are you going to be a boxer, a Muay Thai fighter? Are you going to learn jujitsu? How much film are you going to watch when you're not at home? Like all that stuff matters because ultimately in sports, probably like everything else, but it's really obvious when you're in a confrontational sport, like confidence is everything. So if I can earn the right to play well with my preparation, like I have a ton of confidence that you can't take from me, no matter how big and fast you are. If you don't have that, like at some point against somebody, they're going to find you out, man. If you get found out in front of a lot of people, it's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked about one of those things you mentioned there was, you know, having to eat well. Uh, one of the things I remember when I talked to Joe Thomas, he talked about how he loved uh, retirement because he didn't have to eat all the time. He said it would, it became yeah. a thing. It became a chore where it's like, I don't want to eat and I have to shove food in my, in my mouth. And he lost a lot of weight after his playing days. How, how did you handle that situation? Also being an offensive lineman? Yeah, Joe looks great. Um, so I hurt my shoulder. I blew up my shoulder after I left green Bay and I, I blew it. I ended up blowing out twice. So I can't really carry the weight that I want to like, I'd actually love to be a lot bigger. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was, I was just really into weightlifting, Olympic lifting. But for me, it was, uh, I already had a plan of how to lose weight and just restrict your calories a little bit more. But you know what I, I did that was kind of silly looking back, but every night after dinner, I jumped rope for 20 minutes. Yeah. So I just, I just added that to my, I, you know, worked out hard still and I, I ate a little bit less, but I just started jumping rope every 20 minutes and like weights just started coming off, man. I actually got to the point. I thought I had a tapeworm. Like I, I just, I plunged <laughs> right through my goal. I like dropped my goal weight and I just went right through it. I like lost another 20 pounds. I was like freaking out. I didn't know what to do with myself. I started eating everything in sight. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I've got a jump rope. My daughter has a jump rope. I can go do that 20 minutes. I, I think people listening are like, Hey, I can go lose some weight 20 minutes a day. That's 20 really minutes a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really interesting. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the team 
and one of the storylines going around the Green Bay Packers is the health of David Bakhtiari. It's been like that for a while. Don't know when he's exactly going to play. Uh, I, I guess my question is, how much would David Bakhtiari help this team? Like, where would we see that when he gets back on the field? He's a force multiplier. We talked about it a little bit last year in that he's so good. Like, Yash has done a great job, and Yash is going to have a great career in the NFL. But Bach's probably one of the top three guys in the league if he's healthy. And when you're at that level in the game, the confidence that you bring to the table as far as how that rubs off on John Rennie Jr. And, and, and Myers, how that rubs off on the running backs who are having to run behind him, maybe most importantly, how that rubs off on Aaron, knowing that his like the timer in the back of his head isn't going to be as short as it used to be. Not because Josh is playing bad, but because Bach's really that good. So, you know, for me, I use that term force multiplier, I think, just because it's not only what he brings to the table, but it's also the influence that he has, maybe, uh, you know, uh, non-language kind of influence he has with all these other guys as far as the confidence that he brings in both the preparation and the process. Now, the, the Packers offense is something that obviously with the, the loss of Devontae Adams, a lot of fans wondering, like, how is this offense going to look? We're a couple of games into the season right now. But I'll ask you this question. Alan Lazard played uh, for the first time last week. And I think I think he'll probably be the guy as far as Aaron Rodgers' top target. Although I think you could probably make an argument. Maybe Aaron Jones might have that catches, uh, you know, most catches at the end of the year. But who knows? Um, who, who do you think will be that guy that steps up in, in the place of Devontae? Well, the thing about Alan Lazard is he's going to get the snaps because the guy, like what that guy means to the offense in terms of his off the ball or off receiver duties, mm. like he's a, he's probably the second best non-lineman blocker on the team after Mercedes Lewis. And so the way he throws his helmet into the into uh, defensive linemen and the linebackers and creates extra lanes, extra running room for for Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, like it's it's an integral part of our running game. It was last year. So he's going to get that time and those opportunities. Aaron seems to have confidence in him. He looks the part, I think. At times, he looked the part last year as far as somebody who's going to be able to take over and play that X receiver position. Um, but I would say that this is probably going to be every week to week, you're going to have a new leader in the locker room as far as receptions. We've seen it over the first two weeks. It's already changed. Sammy Watkins showed some things last week that he can still get open against rookie uh, defensive backs, and so you're excited to see that. Cobb's always going to be a security blanket for Aaron as long as he's here, and and certainly Tunyon coming back off an injury, you think he's going to get some uh, some good looks as well at, at being a, a high-level tight end receiver. But Lazard uh, could very easily be a guy who gets 8, 10 catches a, a week and you don't blink at it. But like to your point, the running backs this this year are going to make and break this offense. Like if, if we can get our running backs going week in and week out and, and kind of control the tempo of the game using our running backs, I think that's probably the formula for success that makes the most sense in, in the Green Bay Packers organization right now. Yeah, and that's that's interesting too. What you said about Lazard's blocking, I I hadn't really focused on that before. I just you know mainly look at offensive stats, but that's I'm all offensive lineman, man. That's all we think about. <laughs> yeah, and, and you see, uh, yeah, and you see, uh, you see those things develop. Um, what about defensively for the Packers, and and more specifically uh, against the Buccaneers? We know Tom Brady's the best ever at that position. He's got all the records and everything. Um, but defensively, if you're Joe Barry, how do you approach a game versus Brady? And it's, and it's super interesting, right, because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers bring the heat, right? They're Todd Bowles, that defense. So it's like the Packers have to worry about the heat from the temperature in, in Tampa, and then they got to worry about Todd Bowles coming, you know, bringing his guys off the DB, off the slot, off the corner, bringing both linebackers, lining up eight on the line of scrimmage. And we don't do that. 
at all. Like we don't bring any DB pressure. I think we've brought, you know, a couple five man pressures because we're running our, our three, four defense and we'll bring both backers, but we're not bringing a lot of pressure. And so playing against the greatest of all time and playing a shell defense, the thing that you have to sell yourself is look, we got to keep these guys in front of us and make tackles when they, when they catch the ball, are we going to be able to get home with four? Kenny Clark's had 10 pressures in two games. Their interior offensive line isn't nearly as good as it was even at the beginning of the season because Ryan Jansen's hurt and he's an incredible uh, center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rashawn Gary versus Tristan, Tristan Wirfs this week, that's good on good. Like, that's the matchup I can't wait to see. But I'll just say this. I love Rashawn Gary. I think he's a game plan player. But Tristan Wirfs is the best right tackle in, in football. So, I, you know, if we call it a push, I, I, I don't know that I'd be happy with that, but I wouldn't be surprised. And if Donovan Smith plays against Preston Smith, like that's you kind of look at that honestly. Like Preston might get him a once or twice, but that's kind of a wash. So can Kenny Clark get home? Hmm. That's the question. Can, can, and can Dean Lowry continue doing a great job of handling single blocks, bull rushing, and then handling the run game? Because if we can get home with four and force Brady off that spot, like you always find success when you get him off the spot. The problem is it's really damn hard to get him off that spot. Yeah, it really is. So, so why why doesn't Joe Barry bring the pressure? I think I read Mike that he they haven't blitzed yet through the first two games yet. I think that's so, right. Yeah. So why why? <laughs> well, it's part of it's obviously his philosophy, and there's a lot of like last year, especially you looked around the NFL. There's a lot of bend but don't break defenses, and we were certainly one of them. Um, in order to do that, you have to have an incredible confidence that all of your DBs can tackle well, and you saw last week. And so I, you might just stop and start the conversation right there. Like until you prove you can tackle better, you can't take that many chances. Yeah. Um, sometimes when you have like an all pro like Devondre Campbell, you want to say, let Devondre Campbell do what Devondre Campbell does to be an all pro. And let's not like make him rush the passer if that's not his forte. Mm -hmm. Quay Walker is a guy that I know everyone's super excited about. And I think they should be as far as athleticism and pedigree. Um, you can run right at him right now. He doesn't, he can't take on a block. Uh, from, an, from like a good offensive lineman. So mm -hmm. you kind of have these pieces that are trying to figure themselves out right now. Um, is is Savage better tackling in the alley or is he better kind of being closer to the line of scrimmage where a guy can't get a full head of steam? So we're kind of figuring some of this. Jair Alexander, like he, he makes a great play last week, but he also misses a couple tackles. You know, there's some things out there where you're, you're not scratching your head, but it's like we got to shore up a little bit of our kind of basic fundamentals of football, playing mm -hmm. this. I don't want to say rudimentary, but it is more of a shell defense before we start bringing some highlight pressures, um, especially on a guy like Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, one thing I was looking at the box scores before uh, the podcast today from the last two meetings, uh, both Packers losses. I think the one in Tampa during the regular season, I think it was like 38-10. Like, I remember at the time thinking, okay, that's just a, a game that happened. I'm not going to put too much stock in it. But there is one thing that kind of emerges from that, and it gets back to kind of pressures on quarterbacks and things of that nature. I believe the number is nine total sacks of Aaron Rodgers by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in those two games. Um, and I, I, man, I forgot what, Brady, I think it's, is it zero with Brady? I, I, they didn't get to him very often. I guess my point is I'd have it's to double check to those numbers. Yeah. Every, everybody talks. I so listen, I was in Miami when he was in New England for, four, for like four or five years on that mm -hmm. staff. And everybody just is always talking about, oh, you just you know, get to his feet. Cause yeah, you got the blown up, you know, ACL. And if you just get to it, he does, he's not comfortable. It's like, dude, nobody ever gets to him. Like, I mean, you, you get to him, but it doesn't phase him. He just keeps playing. He's that's why he's the, he's the best because it doesn't phase him. 
You know, there, there must have yeah. been like one game like 20 years ago that he like got flustered because somebody got at his feet. And everybody keeps talking about this one moment. Like, he's an unbelievable quarterback. And he's got the best footwork in the NFL. He doesn't have the best feet. He has the best footwork in the NFL. He has for the last 10 years. So he's think- just a really tough player to get to. Yeah. Do you think quarterbacks will be playing into their mid-40s uh, more so? Like, is he setting the trend? Because obviously they're they're getting hit less. You know, there's yeah. there's the health to consider, or is he just an aberration where he's just that good that there's not going to be that many guys going to their mid forties? So what guys like me love about Tom Brady is that Tom Brady, like you saw his shirt off picture at the combine, like he's not a super <laughs> athlete, right? But what he, but what kind of he shows is he's the he's the most, or he's one of the most professional humans, like in the in National Football League, like the way he goes about his business. He goes outside of, you know, he was with the Patriots and he goes outside of the building to find better help, to take better care of himself, starts his own company so he can take care of himself even that much more so that he can have this longer career that's that's still playing in an extremely high, like he could have been the MVP last year if Aaron didn't have such a good year. Mm-hmm. And so you just think to yourself, like, there's two things that are going to happen. One, he is setting a trend. But two, there's always going to be really good athletes and guys that think they can get along in their athleticism. I mean, as long as there's there's professional sports leagues, there's going to be guys that aren't living up to their talent. And there's not going to be a lot of guys like Tom Brady who maximize their talent. I think, you know, just from a strictly from a football aficionado standpoint, that's what I appreciate about him the most. Uh, I did look up the numbers during that answer. One sack of Tom Brady in those two games while Rodgers got sacked. Uh, four and five times in the two games. So there, there is that to watch for. And obviously, I think if that trend continues, I don't know if the Packers are walking away winners uh, this weekend. But how do you see the game? Who do you think ultimately ends up picking up the W this weekend? So I've been just – I don't like I don't like betting games uh, no. against the Packers, but I'll say, like, uh, I'll, whatever the money line is, I'll take the Packers with – you know, either the money line or Packers with points. I think I think they're still underdogs, maybe by one. Okay. Okay. It's a tough game, though, man. It's a, yeah. this gonna be a tough game. This Tampa is a tough place to play. Tampa is a tough place to play, and you know, just um, the Patriots. Even after this, right? It's I looked at the schedule before the season started, Mike, and I saw the four games, and I thought, okay, this could be a tone setter for the team. And and obviously started off on the wrong foot against Minnesota, bounced back against Chicago. Although I will say this: against, listen, you dominate Chicago, you want. If 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 they rule differently on that Justin Fields touchdown, where he it's a different game. Where it's a different game, yeah. I mean, the the Bears had opportunities in that game. As I'll just be be honest, but the Packers obviously won. Uh, and now you got Tom Brady, and then you got Bill Belichick. I mean, these how important are these next two games for the Packers? When your aspirations are Super Bowl or bust, I think you start looking at everything in terms of how is this going to position you for success in January and February. And certainly Tampa in particular is one of those games that the expectation is that we'll see each other again. Mm-hmm. And I think the hard part now is you have to get one back on Minnesota because that was, you know, I, and I, I think that was probably a coin flip game. If, we're, if everyone's being honest, that's probably a coin flip game the first game of the season. But uh, you got to get one back. You really can't afford to lose games you should win, which like the, the Patriots game we should win. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those games that's another coin flip game. I think that's fair to say. But uh, you're going to win a handful of these you know, during the year. But it's it's really turns into those games like the Chicago game. You got to win the Chicago game, the, the, the Patriots game. Like the games, the good teams beat teams they should beat. You know, that's, that's really the sign of a good team. You don't lose to bad teams. 
You know, before I let you go, uh, talking about the Packers and everything, I, I was wondering if I could get your thoughts on another story involving a former Green Bay Packer. And I'm talking about Brett Favre, who's been in the news for those welfare funds in Mississippi that allegedly he, along with officials in the state of Mississippi, helped move funds from the welfare department to help construct a volleyball arena. And I was listening to a podcast recently, Mike, by ESPN, and they went deep. They went deep with one of the reporters who who uh, you know broke this story, and they're talking about the Farb texts and everything like that, where he seems to have an idea like, hey, is, is this going to come back to me? Are we going to find – is the media going to find out about this? Are we going to have a blank show? And, you know, I, I kind of avoided this whole storyline because I'm like, listen, I, I think it's very plausible that Brett Favre – in you know, this is months ago – that Brett Favre could have been involved with something that he had no idea what was happening, right? Like he's just mm -hmm. a, a, a – listen, I'm Brett Favre. I'll come in. I'll shake hands. I'll kiss babies, and then I'll leave, and – but as this storyline continues to progress and we find out more and more information, it's not looking good for, for Brett at all. I, I know you were a former teammate of his. What were your thoughts when you've seen the most recent headlines? I kind of thought the same thing you did. Um, inexcusable behavior if it's true, obviously. Uh, you you want to think like, oh, he probably doesn't know anything about it. And then the text messages come out. And then that, you know, I, th I, I think somebody just, you know, is trying to – uh, get a deal with the DA and he's going to uncover some sort of truth that's going to incriminate Brett Orris. And listen, this is a very, very unfortunate situation. Uh, if if the alleged um, alleged crimes are, are true, the allegations are true, this is, it's it's a really, first of all, it's like you're, you're taken from the poorest people in the poorest state of the country. Mm -hmm. So you can build a volleyball court. Like if you just say it out loud and it just screams, like there's just entitled, it's just, it's so bad, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the thing that's kind of been, I, I'll be honest with you, the thing that has been surprising to me is that it's not getting any coverage. And like, we're talking about the Celtics coach having like a consensual relationship with some woman in the building. And I'm going, like, I'm a Brett Favre fan and I hope it's not true, but I'm going like, are you serious? Is this really, are these like, do we weigh these things out the same? This doesn't make any sense. And so it kind of, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of directions you can go. Like the, the, the allegations are are sad if true, mm -hmm. and the way that we cover things in this media right now are sad. If this is you know, unless somebody knows something I don't. No, you know, and, and that's a that's a good point. Is that if you flip on any sports station right now, and we know the one that you're probably talking about, you flip on ESPN and they're talking about the Celtics. I did it today, Mike. I literally did it today. I flipped on ESPN mm -hmm. and they're like talking about that, and I'm like, okay, I get that's a storyline too. You've got a future Hall of Fame football player perhaps involved in, in in this huge story as well that I'm not sure if it's getting the, the proper coverage either. And, and to me, the, the brashness of everyone involved, like if you're using state funds and, and you're just like, you just think like, oh, we'll just make this and no one, like, I don't know. It's just it's very brash the, to, to not the, realize the, that anyone would fact check them or check the them. Only, the only thing that... Listen, you're like because because it's you know it's my guy. You immediately start going, okay, well, like, did he know about it? And you go, he might, I don't know, you know. And then and then you go, did he know? It? And then you just kind of get down to the space level. Did he know that he was taking from the poorest people in the poorest state in the like? Did he know they were from the welfare fund? Mm -hmm. You know, it could have like could have been from like I, I don't know like the uh, water fountain fund. I I don't know. You know what I mean? Right, you, try right, to, no. you start trying to like. Like, oh, 
please don't be true, you know, because it just sounds so bad. It just sounds so bad, man. Yeah, it, it really does. And, and yeah, I mean, I don't know where that storyline is going to go next, but I just thought I'd kind of get your thoughts on it because the more this goes uh, along, the more I start thinking to myself, um, you know, Brett Favre could be in trouble here. You know, this this yeah. this may not turn out the best for him, um, you know, however many months down the road. Time will tell. This, this, listen, there's so many – there's so many uh, when people retire, when guys retire from football, and then like you don't, you know, you don't hear from them. Not just I'm not talking about Brett, but just anybody. And then all of a sudden things come out, and you hear a lot of stories about people, you know, investing in hotels and this and that and the other thing. And it's like this is why schedules are so important, right? It's like you need, you need to like fill up your like fill up your time with something, so yeah. that you don't have like what is it? Idle hands make. Uh, bad neighbors or i will i forgot that quote but you know it's 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 like it's like man you gotta find something to do yeah idols hand idle hands are the devil's workshop there it is that's what google says um mike i appreciate you taking some time to talk about the packers this season the game against the bucks and also here at the end about about brett uh, i pr appreciate you taking the time and the podcast on my block do you got anything else you'd like to promote Listen, I run a process to perform company. It's for player development, inspiring athletes, parents, players, and coaches. There's a podcast attached to that as well, process to perform. That you can check out anywhere you get your podcast. Um, listen, man, just just down here in Texas, living the dream, raising kids, working with AG on a couple things, and uh, enjoying watching the Packers still. Awesome. And that's process the number two perform? That's right. Okay. Process right. to perform. Process to perform. Mike, thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes here to join the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, there you go. That is Mike Wall on the Johncast podcast. Thank you to Mike for jumping on this episode. Thank you to you for listening to this episode and check out me and Julio in Fitchburg for all their daily specials and go check them out during game days for Badgers and Packers games, including $3 Coors Light pints and food specials on game days. So go check out me and Julio in Fitchburg. Ian's Pizza with three locations in Madison and three in Milwaukee, hiring delivery drivers, guaranteed rate of up to $20 per hour plus they've got those fantastic variety of ian's pizza slices they do it they know what they're doing there at ian's pizza johncastpodcast.com sign up for the newsletter rate and review that's that helps a lot then it takes you like three seconds you literally just get on your phone you just do five stars if you wanted five you can do four or whatever i don't know uh that helps as well but thank you for listening to this episode of the johncast podcast goodbye <laughs>